This is the Untapped Podcast with Dave O'Brien. Have you found yourself trying many different concepts and ideologies to try and get the most out of your body? I'm going to break down what it really entails and what you really must look at to help you achieve optimization. Hi guys, episode three, immunity. I think it's quite relevant at the moment. I mean, obviously there's a lot of hysteria especially obviously when it comes to the coronavirus. And what I really want to break down is like what essentially is your immune system. And so also what you have to apply to really help with the foundations of your immune system and let it essentially do its job, which is to help you fight off these like retroviruses and things like influenza, you know, pathogens, microorganisms, it's, it's more essentially like just giving your body the building blocks to essentially do what it is 100% capable of doing. And I, that's what I think we essentially get a little bit confused about. Like you've got all the mechanisms inside as long as you're giving your body the right building blocks and also you have the correct structure inside to do what it needs to do to help to protect you. And that's really, really important here, yeah, okay? So I want to make it clear, like I'm not – taking away from essentially what they're doing to try and contain the spread of the coronavirus uh, and so that sort of doesn't get out of control. I'm not sort of taking away from that in terms of when it comes to hygiene and using, uh, you know, sanitizing sort of gels and washing your hands. Like I'm I'm not sort of taking away from that. But we also need to understand like when it comes to these types of uh, viruses, who are the people who are most susceptible? Uh, well, we just need to look at this and hence why in America, and it's, it's probably not going to be any different in Australia, it's like 45% of the population is sort of like morbidly obese. Yeah, okay. So when you're morbidly obese, do you have compromised microbiome? 100%. Yeah, okay. You definitely got problems with like short chain fatty acids. Why? Because you've got problems with fermenting microbiome and you've got fermentation issues within the gastrointestinal lining, and that's impacting how the, the good bacteria are basically feeding on the indigestible matter, allowing them to produce short-chain fatty acids, you know, things like butyrate, acetate, propionate, valerate, that actually help you reduce inflammation, but also produce things like T regulatory cells that actually help you recognize your own immune system, protecting you from autoimmune, but also essentially protecting you from um, infections, pathogens, microorganisms. You know, once again, if you don't actually have that right makeup, then that's going to impede your ability to fight off these types of infections. Yeah, okay. You know, people who have like obesity complications, you know, they've got cardiovascular issues. They've got things like type 2 diabetes. Once again, like when you've got a compromised immune system, it's going to put you at a higher risk when it comes to, the, to these types of uh, viruses and infections. It's really, really important to sort of establish that, okay? And you actually look at it, you know, when it comes to the elderly where a lot of the time they might not, might not actually be doing the right things when it comes to their lifestyle factors. Also, they tend to have more like microbiome complications and, you know, things like negative gram bacteria overgrowth. Now, how do we know that? Because they're obviously more prone to things like pneumonia, which is basically just negative gram bacteria overgrowth. They're more prone to things like colds and flus. Once again, huge link to, to negative gram bacteria overgrowth. And that can be things like Citrobacter, Klebsiella, Pseudomonas. And a lot of these things are linked to, you know, sinusitis, ear infections, colds and flus and so forth. Yeah, we just got to look at really where 
a lot of these complications are coming from. Yeah, okay. I just wanted to put that out there, that there is obviously sort of segments of the population that are going to be more vulnerable to these issues because it's going to come down to really what are the foundations of your immune system, what makes up your immune system. And this is where we should be educating people and this is where we should be putting a lot of our attention and focus. You know, and when it comes to your immune system, it's really made up of aspects like your gastrointestinal lining and, um, and so I'm talking about the epithelium and the mucosal cells. Now, also your microbiome, I'm going to touch on that a little bit more. Um, and also the relationship between like your microbiome and how it's um, enabling you to interact with the, the food that you're consuming. Okay, so that's really important. And then like we've got your lymphatic system and obviously the role of your lymphatic system is actually to help with the clearance of waste in and out of the cells. But this also includes your lymphatic organs. And so when I'm talking about your lymphatic organs, I'm talking about your spleen, your lymph nodes, your tonsils, your appendix, your thymus. Okay, And so one of the, the major functions of your lymphatic organs is to actually help with the production of white blood cells. And then the white blood cells... Their role is to recognize pathogens and microorganisms and protect us against uh, viruses and, and, and basically just to protect us, okay? So now any compromisation of the lymphatic organs, so that means if you've even had your tonsils out, you had your appendix out, you had your spleen out, okay? Unfortunately, this is going to compromise your immune system, which means you may need to take greater measures of what I'm going to talk about to, to help to protect your immune system against these types of viruses and conditions. That's really important as well. And also highly stressed individuals, because when you go through stress response and you're stimulating a uh, higher production of catecholamines, so epinephrine, noepinephrine, higher amounts of cortisol, you also stimulate your lymphatic organs. It's not a bad thing, okay, because you're obviously stimulating your immune system to help you fight off any incoming infection, Maybe you're going to get a cut or abrasion because you're in fight and flight. And so this stimulation of the lymphatic organs is, is, is definitely necessary to actually stimulate cellular activation, to actually stimulate white blood cells to help you fight off the, the infection that may occur in this sort of flight and, fight and flight scenario. But obviously people who've got like hypercortisolemia, so elevated stress levels, uh, and they're in that more acute phase of stress, they're, they're also stimulating their lymphatic organs, causing a higher production of white blood cells. And it's really, really important to understand here, you don't like, and I always, always say, you don't have like an oompa loompa factory in your body where you just produce this endless amount of white blood cells because you might actually find that there's a high stimulation of your white blood cells and your lymphatic organs, but then over time, this just deteriorates. And so you might actually find you get to a point where you're sort of immunosuppressed, which means your body can't mount an immune response against you know, infections and pathogens microorganisms, opportunistic bacteria. Okay, so your lymphatic uh, organs play a big role and then obviously white blood cells. And so if we look at where your white blood cells, like the production of your white blood cells come from, where you've got your stem cells, so 80% of your circulating white blood cells come from the stem cells in your bone marrow. I'm going to touch on that a little bit more because once again, we just want to make sure we've got the building blocks to enable us to fight off these types of complications like the coronavirus. Uh, and the other thing is your gut lining, okay? So anywhere from maybe about 10% to 20% of your circulating white blood cells, now in particular like B cells, which is a type of lymphocyte, are actually produced within the gastrointestinal lining. So the mucosa or what we call the lamina propria 
And this is all to do with GALT, which is gut-associated lymphoid tissue. Now also particular pro-inflammatory white blood cells that help you deal with like multicellular parasites, IgE complications, so that's things like allergies, so respiratory problems like asthma, food sensitivities, food intolerances, uh, hay fever, okay? That's what essentially your sonophils help with. And these are sonophilic proteins actually produced within the epithelium. So they're actually produced within the gastrointestinal lining. We can't take away that it's, it's a combination of both these things and we need to look after the lining. We also need to look after the stem cells and I'm gonna break down how we essentially do that, okay? All these factors really actually help to make up your immunity and your immune system. So what I wanna do is sort of break this down a little bit further. I wanna break it down into like four sections and sort of like two major broad groups, okay? So the first one I wanna focus on is what we call the innate immune system, okay? And so innate immune system is really like initial responders. So if I actually look at it when it comes to your white blood cells, one of the, uh, the you know, the, the white blood cells that are part of your innate immune system is like your neutrophils and your monocytes like phagocytes. And if you look at in the instance of the neutrophils, they might, they might take about six hours to get to point of infection. The monocytes, which is a little bit like the SAS, how often should you call on the SAS? Not all the time, okay? But when we do call on it, we want it to stick around for a while to make sure that we can get rid, like basically exhibit, engulf and excrete and get rid of these pathogens, microorganisms and viruses, okay? So that's really important. So that's essentially what makes up like your initial responders, yeah, okay? But if we tap into this a little bit more with the innate immune system, really, really important factor is like physical barriers, okay? So if I use the example, a physical barrier would be like your skin, okay? Another physical barrier would be your stomach, and I'm talking about the paratel cells in the stomach lining, that's a physical barrier, okay? And then you look at the small intestine, you've got the epithelium, like the enterocytes, okay? And obviously like large intestine, okay? It's really important to understand that your gastrointestinal lining is one of the most protective linings in the human body. Okay, once again, if I look at that big factor like the lamina propria or GALT, gut-associated lymphoid tissue, if you actually stretch that out, and I, I sort of talk about this quite often, it stretches for about 240, 300 meters. Okay, it's like the size of 10 tennis courts. And that's actually where you're producing a lot of your B cells to actually help with antibody response and antigen response. So you're like your first line of defense. It's really, so we, we need to look after this, yeah, okay? So your epithelium, your mucosa, your mucosal lining, okay? These are like physical barriers, yeah, okay? And if we actually look at the small intestine, 90% of your absorption and your digestion should be taking place in the small intestine, okay? But also one of the roles of the small intestine is to, to make things impermeable. So they don't essentially go through and protect your internal environment. Or one of its major roles is to make things more permeable and those are things like micronutrients, carbohydrate molecules, protein molecules. So we can use these things to actually help with the production of particular compounds and the synthesis of these compounds in the liver to help with things like detoxification, neurotransmitters, hormones. Once again, just like um, essentially giving us the building blocks, yeah, okay? But if these, like, because essentially what we're dealing with here, and I always talk about this, is we're just dealing with collagen, okay? And this is, there's like six different types of collagen, okay? Now, type one collagen, which is the, the, the most common, really actually helps with the smooth muscle and really actually helps with the epithelium and the mucosal cells, 
Okay. So if we want to actually help with this, this physical barrier, um, there's another aspect that I'm going to talk about because saliva would be a physical barrier like mucus. Okay. But just to initially help with things like connective tissue and actually help with the structure of the gut line, just to help with structure, we want to look at hydroxyproline, proline, glycine, arginine, amino acids. Okay. What actually helps you assimilate those four amino acids, vitamin B6, pyridoxine or in its more bioavailable form, that would be P5P, which is pyridoxal 5-phosphate. So the B6 and what we've got to look at, a lot of people do have these micronutrient deficiencies. And when you've got issues with B6, because essentially you might have been exposed to particular protein molecules like HPL or cryptopyroles, where the cryptopyroles, especially when you've got things like intestinal permeability, they bind to minerals um, like zinc and they also bind to vitamins like B6, and they render these micronutrients non-bioavailable. And so that's going to really affect things like the gut lining and the structure of the gut, gut lining because it's going to affect your ability to assimilate these amino acids to actually help with that structure. Okay. The other things are uh, vitamin C. Vitamin C actually helps with the repair of collagen. It's really, really important. But once again, if you're in this sort of fight and flight mode constantly, we also need vitamin C to actually help with things like epinephrine, norepinephrine and cortisol yeah okay and so fight and flight because it's like one of those priority systems in the body um because the three major sort of priority systems are fight and flight blood sugar management in moment and time what i'm talking about i'm not saying they're, they're the most they're the number one priority overall okay but in moment and time uh fight and flight blood sugar management and antibody response in that moment in time they're going to supersede a lot of other functions like your brain and your gut you know, uh, things like joints and tendons and ligaments, they're going to supersede those, those areas, yeah, okay? It's really important to understand that a lot of our micronutrients that we even need for the production of catecholamines, stress hormones, we're using those things rather than actually using the vitamin C to actually help with the repair of the collagen and the connective tissue, that includes our gut lining, okay? And then you need things like manganese, you actually need things like copper and you actually need zinc, Zinc actually helps with elasticity when it comes to tendons and ligaments, but it also helps with the elasticity with the, with the connective tissue and the smooth muscle in the gut lining. So that makes, means it actually helps with the structure of the epithelium and intestinal churning. So really, so, so zinc is so important, not just for its antimicrobial properties, so to help to fight off things like negative gram bacteria, yeast, candida, but also to actually help with this, the structure of the epithelium, help with contractile proteins, and actually intestinal churning gut motility, okay? So that's sort of like the soup that we need to actually help with the, with the structure of the gut lining. Now, if we help with the structure, structure of the gut lining, we're helping with that physical barrier. It's really, really important. Now, if I touch on things like saliva, you have a particular protein molecule, it's called secretory IgA, and this, this actual protein molecule is produced within the epithelium, um, so within the mucosal cells, and you especially find it in things like goblet cells, which there's a high amount in the colon, in the large intestine. And basically, secretory IgA is like a sticky mucilage. So when it raises to the apical part or the top part of the mucosal cell, it's like a sticky gel. And you, that's why you essentially have the highest amount of mucus in the gut lining. But you also have saliva, you also have tears, and that also contains secretory IgA, which is essentially... It's like a trigger mechanism. It's the most abundant immunoglobulin in the body. One of its major roles is to be protective. 
So we need to look at it if we've had high amounts of antibody response and immune response. Initially, that may raise the, the production of a lot of these immunoglobulins, like especially IgA, IgM, even things like IgE, which is more prevalent in the blood, okay, to deal with this antibody response or immune response. And then once again, over time, your body can't just keep on producing more of this protein molecule from the cell. So what you might actually find that you have lower levels of secretory IgA. Now, if you have low, lower levels of secretory IgA, is this going to compromise your immune system? Yes, because you don't actually really have the ability to deal with these types of retroviruses and pathogens and opportunistic bacteria, which means you're just more prone to it. Your immune system is just left exposed. And you can actually see that in like particular blood markers, especially when people have like elevations in globulin, which is a particular protein molecule, or even low levels of globulin and complications with the MEBs, which is the combined total of the monocytes, the eosinophils and the basophils. This can be on the higher side or even on the lower side, but there, there, there can be indications within your blood markers where this is a problem and that is definitely compromising your immune system, okay? Because this, this is such a protective protein and so, so important to protect you against these opportunistic bacteria and so forth that I was talking about. So once again, we wanna make sure that we're just helping with this physical barrier, okay? And to actually help with things like secretory IgA and to help with your immunoglobulins, things like glutamine, the problem is, is I wouldn't necessarily being, be using high dosage glutamine with everyone, even though that's a great way of boosting up secretory IgA, because some people can struggle with the conversion. And if they actually end up converting more of the glutamine, because it goes glutamic acid and then things like glutamate, well, that can cause more excitatory behavior in the brain, or they end up converting more of it to GABA. So then they're just like flatline, they've got no energy. So it really depends on the conversion. So just going high dosage glutamine, whilst it might be really good for particular types of people, for certain other people, it could actually cause them to be either really um, too much hyper arousal, really agitated in the brain, or just really flat and lethargic. Okay, but something like uh, goat's colostrum, and the good thing about goat's colostrum, it's it's really high in immunoglobulins. It's got like proline peptides, and these essentially are giving us the building blocks for the immune system, that initial like antibody response, but the proline peptides really help with the epithelium and the, and the, and the gastrointestinal lining. So there's ways that we can, and actually things like slow cooked meats, bone broths, bone marrow, once again, they've got a lot of the building blocks that we actually need to help with secretory IgA. Other things that potentially would help with secretory IgA are things like inulin, but once again, that could, for, for, for some person that has negative gram bacteria overgrowth, that could be really problematic. Now, I'm not, once again, I'm not saying it's bad. The right person is really good, but we, don't, we want to go for things that are safeguard in this instance. And that's why I'd be really big on something like goat's colostrum. It doesn't mean you're, you're taking it long-term, but just to essentially help with the gut lining, help with secretory IgA and just boost up your immune system. Okay, so these are things that we can actually really use to help to increase that 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 physical barrier and that first line of defense. Okay, the other aspect that I want to talk about when it comes to your innate immune system is if we want to say that it's like bloodborne or to actually help with the white blood cells. Yeah, okay. And once again, I just want to look at how the white blood cells, where they're produced. Okay. And so they're the areas that we really got to focus on here. And how do we give the body the building blocks? that it needs to preserve your white blood cells. There's so one factor that I wanna talk about here, like vitamin D, okay? Because a lot of um, sort of people would say that vitamin D sort of really acts more like a hormone and it just 
involved in so many different functions. You know, it actually helps with phase one liver detoxification. Yes, there's the superficial things like helping with strength and bone density, but we also probably avoid the fact that it's just so imperative for the immune system. Okay, and so one of the, the best ways to get more vitamin D is just to get more sunlight and get like a pinkish tinge to the skin. And when you get that pinkish tinge, without me going too much into the vitamin D scenario, but you want to convert vitamin D because a lot of the time when we're looking at vitamin D in the in the blood markers, it's just telling me the vitamin D that's in your bloodstream. It's not actually telling me when it's been converted into its more active form. And when it gets converted into its more active form, this actually takes place in the kidneys. It's like calcitrol, this, this particular hormone actually helps with that conversion. That's why looking after what's going on to your gut to kidney access is so important. So even using things like electrolytes, good quality filtered water, mineralized water is really important in this instance to actually help with that. Okay, but it basically in the kidneys, it's going to get converted into its more active form, which is 125-OHD. Okay, that's his more active form. You've got to bear in mind when we're looking at blood markers, we're not actually seeing all the time how much vitamin D we've got in, an, in its active form. Now, when, when it's actually in its active form, that actually helps you produce antimicrobial peptides that actually help you fight off bacteria. Okay, and so you can actually look at vitamin D and say that it actually helps to alleviate a lot of stress on the white blood cells. It's really important. Okay, and if you get out in the sun, a little bit of pinkish tinge to the skin, okay. And maybe a synthetic source of vitamin D is necessary in the periods that you're not going to do that. I prefer mega dosaging, like doing it on a Tuesday and a Thursday, um, you know, maybe for four to six weeks for a period of the year. Obviously, you know, it, it most likely would be in winter where you're not really getting that sun exposure. But the good thing about like getting more vitamin D is that you also help with other compounds as well you help with substance p which actually helps with circulation and blood flow you actually help with beta endorphins so that actually helps with serotonin hence why a lot of people wonder why they get in the sun they feel happy okay so like this is really really important but also a really interesting fact when you get in the sun you actually st stimulate stress hormones now once again people are going to go oh that's bad i go no it's good okay because if i'm stimulating stress hormones i'm also stimulating my lymphatic organs okay and when I'm helping with the lymphatic organs, you're actually helping your, you're allowing your immune system to essentially, you're stimulating it and you're allowing it to do its job. Yeah, okay. And so the particular stress hormone that you produce from the anterior protuberity gland when you actually get into the sun is ACTH, which is adrenocortotropic hormone. That actually helps with the release of a protein molecule called interleukin-4 that's an, actually anti-inflammatory. Okay, so yes, we can sit here and just talk about the sun with the vitamin D, but you're also getting all these other benefits from just getting out in the sun. That's why it's just such, a, such an amazing, simple thing that you can do to boost up immunity. So we want to look after our vitamin D. Yeah, okay, so some, in some instances, you might have to use a synthetic source to, to actually do that to boost it up. Yeah, okay. Now, if I just look at your white blood cells, okay, well, let's look at two factors that we've got to take into consideration. 80% of your circulating white blood cells going to come from the stem cells in your bone marrow so what do we need to do to to give the body the building blocks that it actually needs for that yeah okay um so so that's definitely like uh one factor and the other thing is like if 20 percent or anywhere from 10 to 20 percent of your circulating white blood cells is actually coming from the gastrointestinal lining well once again we need to look after that physical barrier and that just comes down to a lot of things that i've already mentioned yeah okay but let's look at the white blood cells. So we look at the stem cells and I, I want to focus a little bit more on the, the production of lymphocytes, which 
actually sort of like your secondary line of defense and gets broken down into all these different subgroups. I'm not going to go too far down that rabbit hole, okay? But basically got your stem cells and then when we're helping with the maturing of lymphocytes, you got lymphoid stem cells, you got a process called lymphoblast, which is all to do with this maturing of the lymphocytes, then you got the lymphocytes and they get broken down into all these other subcategories like your B cells, your T cells, natural killer cells, and then these get further broken down, but I'm not going to go too far down that rabbit hole, but I just want to look at like what building blocks do we really need to help with things like your stem cells? Well, vitamin A is one of the key fat-soluble micronutrients that we actually need. Now, a lot of people are going to go, well, essentially I can get my better carotene uh, and then that is actually going to get converted to vitamin A and that's actually going to help with my stem cells and actually help with white blood cells, help with red blood cells as well. I'm not disputing that, but we also got to remember, and I have talked about this, is that 45% of the population carry a, a genotype where they don't actually make the conversion of beta carotene into vitamin A. And so that's why essentially people really switch into like a predominantly plant-based or vegan-based diet, which I don't have any problems with, but they might just be one of those people ancestrally that actually don't just make, don't make that conversion, which means they need to be getting the vitamin A out of the food source itself, okay? So the problem is if you're not making that conversion, and yes, I know 55% of the population are making that conversion, but if you sit in that 45%, then that is really gonna compromise your stem cells. And when we look at things like stem cell therapy, a big factor behind that is vitamin A and vitamin C, okay? So once again, that's just gonna come down to a lot of micronutrient support, making sure you're getting it from the right food sources, but also you're improving the area that's gotta enable you to assimilate and absorb it, okay? And easing pressure off areas that might also be taxing a lot of your micronutrient reserves with vitamin C and vitamin A, okay? This is really important as well, okay? And when, when we're actually looking at the process and the synthesis of things like lymphocytes, one of the big things we need is vitamin C. So where can this essentially go wrong for a lot of people? Well, people who have HPA dysfunction, so they're producing a lot of catecholamines and stress hormones because they're putting a lot of pressure on their vitamin C. But also people who have blood sugar management dysregulation, which would go hand in hand with that because when you've got elevated glucose in the bloodstream, it actually affects how you absorb vitamin C within the cell. It definitely can be a problem, okay? Now, people who also have gut dysbiosis, because they're constantly essentially trying to repair connective tissue and collagen, that, that can also put a lot of pressure on your vitamin C as well. To really help with the lymphocytes, to really help with the lymphoid stem cells and the stem cells, vitamin A, vitamin C. If I had to look at like, you know, good sources of vitamin C when it comes to food, you know, things like guava, like taro root, okay? Because a lot of people just go on the, on, on the, the premises, things like oranges. And I'm not disputing, yes, it definitely has vitamin C, but some of the best sources from vegetable realms is like bell peppers, like capsicum, guava, like they actually used to crush it up into like a, a paste um, to actually help fight colds and flus because the vitamin C concentration is so high. That's why I'm so big on it. Yeah, okay. Uh, and then taro root, um, things like potatoes, they're also high in vitamin C as well. Yeah, okay. Now also... If we need a little bit more support, which we might do in this instance because obviously soil quality has diminished and that's really affecting the micronutrients that we, that, we, that we get out of food, then we might need to get it from like a natural source, like a natural powder, like a kakadu plum um, or like a liposomal vitamin C. Now, I tend to find people who've got catecholamine issues, 
you know, adrenaline resistance, cortisol resistance, they might do better because their energy is quite flat line. They might do better on a vitamin C that essentially is not really getting uh, di- uh, processed by the digestive system and essentially it's just going to get uptake in the cell a lot more efficiently. Okay, so a liposomal, yes, th- there's always a higher cost, but once again, this is your health, okay? So, and then when it comes to vitamin A, yes, you can get it from better carotene. The good, uh, the benefit of having a carotenoid like better carotene is it actually helps to reduce interleukin-6, which is a pro-inflammatory protein. So there's some anti-inflammatory benefits there. So I'm not saying you can't do that, but also you might have to get it from the food source itself. And once again, this is things like slow cooked meats, you know, cod liver oil is crazy high in vitamin A. And then vitamin A does actually help with things like DAO, which is diamine oxidase. Okay, and now also help to reduce inflammation and reduce the negative impact in too high amounts of omega-6s like arachidonic acid. Okay, so there's all these other benefits. Now, if I go to the other side and we look at like red blood cells and granulocytes, because I really want to stress a lot of people that I deal with, they're sitting immunosuppressed, which means they're white blood cells on the low side. And I, I fail to believe that I'm just getting every single immunosuppressed individual. Okay, and so we've got to say that stress is a big factor here, but also the compromisation of the gastrointestinal lining, microbiome imbalances, and opportunistic bacteria. These are these are all the, and it's an exacerbation of all those things because everyone wants to know what's the one thing, and I go, it's an exacerbation of all that that's actually causing the problems. Yeah, okay, and so if we look at the, the the granular sites, and these are things like your neutrophils, and neutrophils make up about fifty percent of your white blood cell supply. And the big role of the, of the neutrophils is they mainly get sent to the digestive system to fight an infection in the gut. Okay, so once again, they sort of exhibit, yeah, they engulf and they excrete and the same thing with your monocytes. And then you've got pro-inflammatory white blood cells like basophils and eosinophils involved in histamine reactions. Okay, so when it comes to your granulocytes, one of the key micronutrients we need here is folate, is vitamin B9. What's the problem? Well, people got like the MTHFR gene defect. There's like different, there's 50 different variants of that. Uh, the one that everyone talks about, you've got like the one parent gene and the two parent gene, like 30% of the problem or 70% of the problem. So if you've got that issue, you might actually have problems taking folate and converting it to its more bioavailable form, which is methylfolate. Okay. And if you've got problems there, that's going to affect granulocytes. So it's going to affect the, the white blood cells, which is part of that innate immune system. So once again, if you look at the neutrophils, they get they take about six hours to get to point of infection. Monocytes about eight to twelve hours. But this is these are your heavy hitters against these viruses and pathogens and microorganisms. We've got to look after that, okay? And some people might need a little bit more support, but essentially you've got to be careful when you're using high dosage B vitamins. I think, you know, if people have methylation issues, they essentially got sluggish pathways. You could be taking high dosage B vitamins and ramping up the pathway. What's the problem? 25% of detoxification takes place in the gut, okay? And if you haven't actually fixed the gut lining, well, you're actually causing more complications because you cannot detoxify properly. You might end up storing uh, a lot of these uh, toxins and in, in your peripheral tissue and cause even more sinister problems. It's really important to understand that. Okay, And if we look at the red blood cells, I essentially don't want to go too much down that path. But once again, the key building blocks that we need is like vitamin A. You need uh, B9, so you need folate, you need B6, uh, pyridoxine, you need B12, cobalamin, you need copper, you need iron, you need glycine, you need streptococcus thermophilus, you need estrogen coli. Once again, there's like this soup. The, 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 the point that I want to really get across is that we want to cover 
these building blocks to actually really help with the stem cells and really actually help with the synthesis of these white blood cells. And we start looking at like vitamin D, getting from the sun, vitamin C, vitamin A, getting it from the, the right sources. And if that means we need to get it from things like cod liver oil and slow cooked meats, then we need to get it to help to protect us against these things and actually looking at B9. Now, once again, we can get it from the food source and good sources of B9 would be things like liver, you know, I'm, can't stress it enough like liver if i had to look at the you know most micronutrient and nutrient dense foods no food known to man then it would be liver yeah okay it's not everyone's cup of tea but 100 grams of liver and you're going to get a good dose of like b9 and actually okra which i think is really underrated and especially when you put in slow cooks slow cooks has got a bit of a mucilage which means it's binded to, to toxins and um and then you get the benefit it's like one of the highest sources of like b9 yeah, okay so once again, we want to look after the, 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 the sort of innate immune system, look after the white blood cells, okay? Now also look after the white blood cells that are produced in the gut lining, and I'm going to touch on that a little bit more. The next thing is if we look at the acquired immune system, yeah, okay? And the acquired immune system is really to do with like the B cells and the T cells, yeah, okay? And I want to actually cover the, the B cells first, okay? Now, a high amount of your B cells actually produced within the gut lining. Now, we need to ask ourselves when it comes to immune response, because one type of immune response would be if you cause like a cut or an abrasion. Now, how often are you cutting or, or, or you know, seriously harming yourself? Yeah, okay. Um, well, not very often. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. Of course it happens, yeah, okay. That is one type of immune response, yeah, okay. But that's not happening all the time. But we are consuming food on a regular basis, yeah, okay? And there are, there is bacteria. There has to be a, a, a recognition process that needs to play, take place with the food that you're consuming because I want to stress it like antibody response, antigen response is just completely normal, yeah, okay? And so when we're consuming food, a lot of that antibody response is actually taking place within the gut lining. And if that's compromised, then all of a sudden, this is just like a full cascade effect uh, in the body, yeah, okay? So when it comes to the B cells, we want to look at that mucosa or that loose connective tissue underneath the lamina propria. Okay, now what, hap what helps with that loose connective tissue? Once again, it's these amino acids. So it's a hydroxyproline, proline, glycine, arginine, B6, manganese, zinc, vitamin C, uh, copper. The, or, once again, that soup that I was talking about. Yeah, okay. Now, other things that also help that loose connective tissue can be a certain type of fiber. It's beta-glucans. Now, beta-glucans we get from medicinal mushrooms, yeah, okay? Now, medicinal mushrooms, so things like reishi, um, maitake, shiitake. I'm just going to talk about shiitake in this instance. Apart from helping with the beta-glucans, which actually helps with this loose connective tissue in the lamina propria and helps with GALT, which is gut-associated lymphoid tissue, which actually helps with B cells. So essentially how it works, yeah, okay, if we had some sort of antigen, so some sort of foreign microorganism at the lumen, so the surface of the gut lining, there needs to be like an identification process taking place, yeah, okay? And B cells will actually um, stimulate M cells, okay? And you have what we call like, like a trigger mechanism, like an immunoglobulin response, and the first line of defense there is IgM, okay? And so what actually happens is these antigens, there's like a recognition, where it basically says, what is this? And it could be a carbohydrate molecule, a protein molecule. Essentially, the body goes, we need to use this or we don't know what this is and we need to deal with this bacteria or this foreign or this 
uh, retrovirus or whatever that might be. This is an antibody response to the immune response. It's completely normal. But if the gastrointestinal lining is compromised, then this antibody response or this immune response will happen on a more regular basis, which means you're putting a lot of pressure on your body's ability to have cell activation and produce white blood cells. And guess what you're going to start to put a lot of pressure on? These micronutrients. So things like B9, zinc, vitamin A, you're just putting more pressure. You just cannot just end, endlessly produce an infinite amount of these things. Yeah, like I just want to stress that, and especially if your gastrointestinal problems get worse and worse, then your ability to assimilate these micronutrients also gets compromised as well. Yeah, okay. So with shiitake mushrooms, they've done a lot of testing, a lot of research on shiitake mushrooms. They actually noticed that increasing sort of subgroups of your, your T cells, okay, because essentially like your T cells, the major role is to recognize uh, cells that have turned viral or cancerous. You know, it's really, really important. Okay, and then you've got these subgroups of your, of your T cells, okay, and that sort of gets broken down into subgroups like CD4, CD8, which is what they check for people who've got HIV. Okay, and obviously they've got a compromised immune system. Even notice like people who are highly stressed that they can have a lowering in the CD4 and the CD8 count, yeah, okay? And then this basically gets broken down into other subcategories, which is like TH1 and TH2 which essentially I don't want to go like too far down that rabbit hole, but they actually noticed that a particular property called LEM in the shiitake mushroom, that can actually help to boost up CD4 counts. So it actually boosts up those subgroups of your immune system. So to actually help with things like T cells and actually help with lymphocytes. Okay, it's really, really important. Okay, because once again, this is actually going to help because what we're finding is a lot of when people's innate immune system is down, also their secondary line of defense is down as well. Okay, and then you're just more susceptible to these viruses and opportunistic bacteria. And then that actually leads to more sinister things like autoimmune and cancer and so forth. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, it's shiitake mushrooms actually noticed were really, uh, and, and this is in quite high dosages, up to 10 grams, were an amazing way of actually boosting up CD4 count, CD8 count. So actually really helping to protect the immune system. What I like to do with a lot of people as a bit of an immune booster first thing in the morning is you have bone broth because once again, we're, we're covering sort of that physical barrier. Um, so the gut lining, so helping with that. So helping with that innate immune system, a little bit of Celtic sea salt, help with a little bit of like vasodilation, okay, help with uh, electrolyte balance, a little bit of black pepper, which has some advantages to actually help with the adrenals. Okay, and then putting like a teaspoon anywhere from three to five grams of good organic shiitake mushroom powder. And that's just an immune booster. And that's actually going to help to boost up things like your lymphocytes. Also understand a great way of boosting up lymphocytes because a reason they might be down is because food sensitivities, food intolerances, and that's actually most likely caused by a lack of food rotation. So more diversity, and I'm talking about good – when I talk about diversity, I'm talking about getting it from good micronutrient, macronutrient uh, rich foods. Okay. So, you know, looking at like medicinal mushrooms, like shiitake, maitake, reishi. Okay. Now the other thing that actually helps with this, uh, uh lamina propria or the, to, to, to help with the, the gold, the gut associated lymphoid tissue is even things like fasting. Now, once again, the type of fasting that we need to apply could be like a six, one could be a five, two, tend to find if people got like a compromised immune system, one day of fasting would be sufficient where it's like two 15-hour fasts and then because you're helping with the enteric hormones and helping with uh, enteric endocrine cells like particular mucosal cells that actually help with the production of gut hormones like modelin, what you want to put in 
like the first meal is a lot of the things that are actually going to help with that. Okay, so slow cooked meats, bone broths, bone marrow, put things like okra, medium chain fatty acids like ghee because it has butyrate, so it helps with short chain fatty acids, so it helps with gut motility, coconut oil. Okay, so once again, just getting all those building blocks that you actually need to actually help nourish the gut lining. Okay. One other uh, factor that I want to really mention as well is that also to, to, to actually help with like the lymphatic organs, to help with the lymph system, what's really important is proteins, good quality uh, amino acids, and also like fats, you know, okay? You know, fats get metabolized very differently in the gastrointestinal lining, essentially go into the lacteal, and they actually help with um, chyle or lymph, which actually helps with the lymphatic system. And once again, like clearing waste in and out of the cells, but also to help with white blood cells, okay? So even like saturated fats, and remember not all saturated fats are created equal. I'm sick of people just lumping saturated fat altogether, but things like myristic acid, luric acid, luric acid has huge benefits when it comes to testosterone, but myristic acid actually helps your white blood cells recognize pathogens and microorganisms. So fats are really important, so good quality saturated fats, you know, things like organic butter, um, you know, good quality animal proteins, yeah, okay, and things like coconut oil, okay, because coconut oil gets a bit of a bad rap, but once again, the type of saturated fats that it's got in there is things like caprylic acid, luric acid, myristic acid, and you actually look at caprylic acid, it actually helps against things like yeast, sort of helps to puncture holes in things like biofilm, so it actually helps, it's got antifungal, antibacterial properties, and the luric acid helping with testosterone, myristic acid helping with the immune system. So looking at good quality saturated fats will also help with the white blood cells as well, okay? Now, the other aspect, if I look at the acquired immune system is your T cells, okay? And without me going like too much into the, the, the weeds when it comes to this, but if we will look at one aspect, it's your microbiome balance, okay? And so we've got to understand that, yes, 85% should be good, 15% is bad, but not everyone has this ratio. And that's going to affect how you deal with indigestible matter. And if you're not dealing with the indigestible matter because you don't have the correct microbiome balance to help with that, that's going to affect your short-chain fatty acid production. And if we're affecting our short-chain fatty acid production, we can affect particular immune cells like T regulatory cells that allow you to recognize your own immune system, okay? So actually fixing the microbiome balance, okay? Now, for some people, that might be a longer process, okay? So what can we do to actually help with aspects like the innate immune system? Well, there's particular microbiome, there's particular probiotics that can be really good at this. Um, so one is bacillus spores. Okay, so if you actually look at bacillus spores, they actually give you the ability to metabolize very small amounts of your own vitamin C. That's really, really important, once again, because it's just so multifaceted in this instance of boosting up the immune system. Yeah, okay. But things like bacillus coagulans, like they're just so important to actually help with innate immune system. Now, the other benefits, it actually helps with things like epinephrine, norepinephrine, so it helps with catecholamine, so it actually helps give you more motivation, get up and go. Okay, if it's helping with things like norepinephrine, it's helping with focus, concentration. Okay, so this would be, you know, um, the, the, the type of probiotic that I use just to boost up the innate immune system, yeah, okay? But also fixing up the ratio is actually going to help with the immune system as well, okay? And things that actually help with the induction of really protective protein molecules, so things like lactobacillus, in particular lactobacillus plantarum, because it helps with the induction of secretory IgA, okay? But particular strains of lactobacillus 
really have a lot of like protective uh, properties when it comes to the immune system. And, and, and as I said, protecting us against a lot of things like yeast and candida, okay, and viruses, okay, is really, really important, yeah, okay. So the other thing just to help with the, with the T cells, because when I was talking about this is to do with lymphocytes, well, once again, what helps with the synthesis of lymphocytes helps with the synthesis of white blood cells, vitamin C, okay. Well, you actually look at it when it comes to the coronavirus, I know that they're really starting to explore now intravenous vitamin C. Now, a lot of people are using things like ascorbic acid and so forth. Now, for a lot of people, they just don't uptake that very well, hence why a liposomal, a natural source like Kakadu Plum, yes, um, uh, intravenous, especially with people who are really, really immunocompromised, could be a good thing to do. Okay, so once again, if you look at vitamin C, it's just sort of covering like almost all, pretty much all four spectrums, okay? And the other thing that can really, really help in this instance when we're dealing with um, and, and has had great success when we're talking about like influenza, uh, avian influenza. So in the influenza virus, which was H1N1 influenza virus. And when we look at the avian influenza, which was H5N1, they actually used elderberry. And the whole thing with like elderberry is they're actually not necessarily using crazy high dosages. They're actually only using about 175 milligrams when you actually look at good quality organic elderberry, most of the time the tablets are in about a thousand milligrams. Yeah, okay, so they're actually using 175 milligrams four times a day, and they're actually noticing that there was stamping out a lot of these influenzas. Yeah, okay. So elderberry is, and you, it, it's interesting when you start to look at the the micronutrient breakdown of elderberry. It's actually high in iron, high in potassium. Okay, things like copper, but really it's got vitamin A. It's got vitamin C and it's got B6. Now, I've already mentioned how important these micronutrients are for actually boosting up the immune system and elderberry really covers that. The interesting thing is, is that elderberry, just like things like black rice and wild rice and blueberries is really high in anthocyanins. Now, actually, these phytonutrients, which actually help with excessive amounts of uric acids, they help people with gout, okay? They actually help with immunostimulation, which means that they help with immunostimulation. They're helping with the stimulation of your granulocytes and your white blood cells. And once again, there's nothing more powerful to fight off these viruses than your own immune system. Yeah, okay. So that's really interesting. And also really high in the flavonoids and the flavonoids also help fight off these uh, influenza type viruses and these types of uh, infections. Yeah, okay. So, it's really fascinating with like the elderberry and once again, there's so many different type, like good quality elderberry supplements. And if we start applying things like elderberry, like having quite a high dosage, um, you know, even exceeding that uh, thousand milligrams, things like vitamin C, like a natural source, like a kakadu plum, liposomal, we start covering aspects like zinc, like a zinc alcarnosine, just because not only its antimicrobial properties, but it's absorbed a lot better because it's it's bound to amino acid, so it allows zinc to stick around a lot long, a long lot longer in the gut. Okay, um, and also vitamin D getting into the sun more. If you have to use a synthetic source for a short period of time, that may be necessary. But also covering slow cooked meats, bone broths. Um, you know, maybe including a little bit more B6 or including a P5P or paradoxal 5-phosphate, 
you know, once again, like getting a lot of like a lot of these like building blocks, yeah, okay, also including things like cod liver oil, so you're getting the vitamin A, you're starting to cover all these spectrums of what I'm talking about, like the the four sort of major categories that help to make up what essentially is your immune system. Okay. Another aspect, applying tools that kick your immune system, because once again, a lot of people I'm dealing with, they're immunosuppressed. What's a great way of boosting up things like your neutrophils, your monocytes, your lymphocytes, allowing your immune system to fight off pathogens, microorganisms is ice therapy, which I've talked about, how to apply that time frame for beginners, what you want to try and um, uh, boost up to, okay? like cold therapy when it comes to when you've got really low white blood cells, really low, like your total white blood cell count, really low neutrophils, lymphocytes, Cold therapy is amazing for that. And remember, a lot of that research they've done has actually been on cold showers, so it's even more impactful if you're doing anywhere from uh, zero to five degrees in one to five minutes, yeah, okay? So, and stress management, because once again, we need to understand if we've got things like HPA dysfunction, so an overburdening of the HPA axis, so just hot, too, too high production of stress hormones, which generally caused by inflammation, high amounts of perceived stress, blood sugar, blood sugar management dysregulation and poor circadian rhythms, okay? Well, you understand this is gonna cause this stimulation of lymph lymphatic organs and causing like immunosuppression. So doing things like metacognition, heart math, controlling our emotional state, there's nothing quicker to wear, deteriorate your gut lining um, than uh, negative emotions, yeah, okay? So doing things like heart math, helping with your, your heart to brain access, Okay, and diaphragmatic breathing to help control the autonomic nervous system, like even things like um, applying, maybe it's like active release, release therapy, uh, uh, like ART, like some sort of like deep tissue massage. Okay, things that are just gonna help to, to, to regulate the, the HPA axis and to regulate your stress levels because ultimately the more you're stressed, and that's, and that's why when we're getting into this hysteria with the coronavirus, like people just getting into this stress state, that's not helping your immune system. Okay? And most of the time people are like, think that t having things like poor quality pasta and things like baked beans, they're, they're, they're going to help to protect them, actually probably makes you more susceptible to these things because essentially you're not getting the building blocks that you need that really govern your immunity. And that's what it comes down to. So... This is what we need to, to do to, and we do, have the, we do have the mechanisms internally. If you give your body the building blocks, if you look after your gut lining to deal with these um, viruses quite easily. Thanks guys.